If you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we'll begin reading with verse 24. Matthew chapter 6. And verse 24. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. It is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toll not, nor neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things did the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Father, we come before you thanking you for all that you've done. Thank you for this day, and thank you for the songs that we've sung, and putting in the testimony and the words, and how they speak to our hearts. And Father, we do thank you for each and every one that's here tonight. Lord, I just pray that you'll bless them, speak to our hearts. Father, we thank you for our pastor, Lord, and I just pray that you'll fill him with your power, with your spirit as he comes and preaches to us. Just flow through him that we may hear from you and, and go out here and, and serve you and tell the world about you. And, Father, the world is in, needs a revival, Father, and I pray that you'll begin in my heart and begin in this church's heart and that we'll do and bring honor and glory to you. And, Lord, I do thank you for all that you're going to do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about worry. None of us ever have any problem with that, do we? We never worry about anything. I heard about a fellow one time, he was worried because he didn't have anything to worry about. So I guess all of us could find something to worry about. But the Bible tells us that we are not to worry, amen? And here in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord gives us some very clear instructions about not worrying. Verse 33 has been my life verse ever since I was a teenager. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God says if we'll seek his kingdom first, he'll take care of all the other things, and he'll meet the needs that are involved in our life. I think all of us would agree that we're living in tough times right now. Our world's a lot different than it was when I was a teenager. It's a lot different than it was when we started our church back in 1980, 42, almost 43 years ago. 
Our world's changing. Our world's different than it was just three or four years ago. The unemployment rate is high. Companies are going out of business. Foreclosure on houses is escalating. And isn't it interesting how the housing industry has been like a seesaw? Boy, if you were buying a house for a while, it was terrible. And now if you're trying to buy a house, uh, the interest rates are going up and all kinds of things happening in our world. You might say, do not worry, preacher. If we're not going to worry, what do we do? How do we take care of the things that are going on in our world? There are several misconceptions regarding the subject of worry that I want to clear up tonight before we deal with the problem of worry itself. First of all, I want to begin by pointing out that there is a great difference between watchful carefulness and concern and wise planning and worry. There's a big difference. The Bible says, do not worry, and when it says, do not worry, it does not mean, do not be concerned. We should be concerned about some things. We, concern is is connected to living in and dealing with the drastic situations that we face in our everyday life. Worry is anxiety about not being able to control those things. There are things that we need to be concerned about. We ought to be concerned about the daily demands of our life. We're concerned about our responsibilities that we have in life. We're concerned about our families. We're concerned about our Christian testimony as we work in the world and live in the world. We're concerned about our church. We're concerned about our duty as as good citizens. We're concerned about a lot of things in this world. You may be worried about the medical difficulties that you're having or about the economical situation in our world and the difficulties that we face. But worrying does not change one single thing, does it? It doesn't change a bit. It'll only bring fear and frustration and spoil the joy that we've talked about tonight already that we find in the good things in life. The joy that we find in the Lord. It is right to be concerned, and it is right to take proper action to resolve the dilemmas and the difficulties in our life, but to worry only compounds the difficulties. It only makes them greater. Do not worry does not mean that we don't make plans. We should make plans. Jesus talked about the wisdom of planning before we build and before we battle. He said in Luke chapter 14 and verse 28, he said, For which of you... Intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that beheld it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth, whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? It's not a sin to plan. It's not a sin to think ahead, plan for our work and plan for our family and plan for our retirement and plan for vacations and and plan for church programs. In fact, James wrote in his epistle that it's all right to plan as long as we subject our plans to God's will. He said in James 4 and verse 15, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this and that. Concern and planning are needed. Worry is not. 
So let's go back to Jesus' statement when he said, take no thought or do not worry and consider some steps that he gives to us tonight. First of all, I want you to notice the principle that we must face. The principle. Here in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, take, he says, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You might say, well, what in the world's mammon? It's just talking about money, uh, material things. You can't serve God and material things at the same time. Matthew chapter 6, as you know, is a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 24, he talks about the root cause of worry. He says, you can't serve two masters. In other words, what he's saying to us is, who are you following? Who is your master in your life? If I am your master, Jesus is saying, you don't need to worry because I will take care of you. When we understand that God will take care of us, it will help us a whole lot in this area of worrying. Notice his words again, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There's several things that we see in that verse. First of all, there's the disaster of dual leaders. There's this disaster. No man can serve two masters. Well, it's kind of interesting as you go through the Bible and find how many times in the Old Testament God allowed multiple wives, and it'll say so-and-so had this wife and this wife. And when I read those verses, it says, I, I was thinking about uh, Hannah and, and Elkanah, and, and he had two, two wives, and, and, and it mentions the one, and then I always in my mind I think, and that's one too many, <laughs> He has one, and then adds the second one, and that's one too many. God's plan is one woman for one man for one lifetime. And we can't serve two masters. Trying to please two masters or two supervisors or two overseers will result in displeasing both of them and cause conflict and confusion and frustration, which are all symbols of worry. So, First of all, there's the disaster of serving or of having dual leaders. Secondly, the discord of, dis, of dual or divided loyalties. The discord of divided loyalties. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and material things or worldly riches or money. Jesus is telling us that the weed of worry that grows in the garden of our lives is the result of being double-minded, trying to serve two masters. The Greek word for worry literally means to divide the mind. In other words, living as though we're totally responsible for everything in our lives, but at the same time saying that we believe that God is responsible, and consequently we have a divided mind, don't we? Either I'm responsible or God is responsible, we're not both responsible. James said in his letter in James 1.8, he says such a person is double-minded and is therefore unstable in all his ways. The principle that we must face is this. We have a loving Heavenly Father who is our Master. And we should trust Him and be loyal to Him and not worry. So there's a principle that we must face. Secondly, I want you to notice the problem that we ought to address. The problem, verse number 25 says, Therefore, 
We can't serve two masters. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought, which literally means do not worry. Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? He starts out that verse by saying, therefore, what's the next four words? Say them with me. I say unto you. Jesus said, he's speaking, he said, therefore, I say unto you. In other words, Jesus said, this is me speaking. I'm talking to you. This is the holy word of the heavenly father to his children. And what does he say to us? Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. In other words, Jesus said, do not worry. That's his challenge. That's his command to us. In fact, three times in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, take no thought. Do not worry. In verse number 25, he said, do not worry about your life. Take no thought for your life. In verse number 31, he said, we're not to worry. Take no thought for our food and our clothing. And in verse 34, he says, take no thought or do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry. Three times, one, just a short section of this chapter, he says, don't worry. Now, what is the meaning of the word worry? When he tells us not to worry, what does that mean? The words take no thought simply means do not worry or do not be anxious. Our English word worry comes from an old German word, worgum, which means to choke or to strangle. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? When we worry, it means to choke or to strangle. Mental strangulation from anxiety over something that we are anticipating that could happen. Worry clouds the mind. Worry can, keeps us from seeing and comprehending things clearly. Someone said worry is like a fog. The Bureau of Standards in Washington, D.C. put out an article about the composite elements of fog. It is said that dense fog that covers a city block 100 feet deep is composed of approximately one 16-ounce glass of water divided into 16 or 60,000 million drops. Can you imagine that? You see a city block covered with fog 100 feet deep, and it's just a 16-ounce glass of water. But it's divided into 60,000 million drops. There's not much substance to fog, but you and I know it can cripple an entire city, can't it? It can cause disaster. Worry is like fog. There's not much to it, but a few drops of fear and a few drops of anxiety and, a, and imagination, and we get all fogged up and we start worrying and fretting. And then there's the menace of worry. The menace. Worry is a very dangerous thing. It takes an awful toll on our body and on our spirit and on our minds. It affects us in several ways. First of all, it affects us physiologically. Dr. Charles Mayo of the famous Mayo Clinic said, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. You know, I don't know that I ever have known of a man who died from overworking. But I have known some people that have died from worrying. Ulcers are caused by not so much what we eat, but by what's eating us. 
John Hopkins University doctor said, we do not know why it is that worriers die sooner than the non-worriers, but that is a fact. Isn't that interesting? Worriers die sooner than non-worriers. I heard about a college student some time ago that had an assignment for the speech class, and her assignment was to give a speech on worry. And her, in her introduction, she said, I was awake all night worrying about this talk on worthy. worry. <laughs> worry is a thief, isn't it? It robs us of our sleep. It robs us of our peace of mind. It'll rob you of what God wants you to enjoy, the joy and the peace in your life. It affects us physiologically. It also affects us psychologically. Psychologists now have come up with a name for chronic worriers. Its initials are G-A-D, GAD, Generalized Anxiety Disorder. We got a disorder for everything, don't we? Well, now we got one if you're worrying. It's called GAD, Generalized Anxiety Disorder. Think of the many people that worry has driven them to the point of imbalance. We've heard the common statement, he is worrying himself to death. I'm sure many of you have heard that. That's no exaggeration in some cases. People literally are worrying themselves to death. It affects us psychologically. And then it also affects us spiritually. Jesus said, take no thought. He said, do not worry. It's a command that's just as forceful as the other commandments of the Bible. It's just as much of a command as the command that says, thou shalt not kill or murder, or thou shalt not commit adultery, or thou shalt not steal. It is a command of God, and to violate that command is sin. Therefore, worry is sin. Worry is sin. It's understandable for sinners to be worried about food and shelter and clothing, but as Christians, we ought to know better. Amen? Why would Jesus suffer and die for the same children that he planned to neglect? Worry causes us great harm physically and mentally and spiritually. Jesus not only talks about the principle here and our problem here, but he also talks about our parent. I want you to notice the parent that we can trust. Look at verse 26. He said, Behold the fowls of the air... For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into their barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are not ye much better than they? Two times Jesus uses the phrase, your heavenly Father, when speaking about worry. Your heavenly Father feedeth them, in verse 26. In verse 32, he says, your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. The emphasis that we must not miss is that we have a heavenly father. We have a heavenly parent. And we are not God-forsaken orphans. Amen? Amen. Our heavenly father who cares for the birds cares for you and me too. Our heavenly father who knows when a sparrow falls knows when you and I have a problem too. I don't know if you've ever done this. I have. I, I, I've been driving down the road. and How many of you ever hit a bird when you were driving the car? A lot of us have, haven't we? Sometimes it's unavoidable. And when I do that, I think about this verse. I think, you know what? God knows that bird just fell, died. God knows. If he cares about that little bird, how many birds are there in the world? We have no idea, do we? Millions, probably billions of them. And one of them, and God knows about it. And the same Heavenly Father who cares about the bird cares about you and me. Therefore, we should not worry. We should trust. Trust Him. 
Why? Because he provides what we consume. He provides what we consume. Look at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink. Isn't that amazing? God says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Now, I know some of you men right now are saying, my wife better worry about what I'm going to eat. When I get home, I want to have something ready. But he's talking about providing and having something to fix and having something to eat. God says, don't worry about it. In verse 26, he says, the birds are an example of that. He said, behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not. They don't plant fields and, and plant gardens. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? You think you're more important to God than the birds? That's what God says. Are you not much more? Are you not much better than they? God says you're more important than the birds, and if I take care of the birds, I can take care of you too. Amen. Takes care of Billy and Katie bird. He'll take care of all the rest of you birds too. Amen. He'll provide for us. In Psalm 104, verses 27 and 28, he said, These all wait upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. That thou givest them, they gather. Thou openest thy hand, they are filled with good. God says, or the Bible says about God, he gives and we gather. Talking about the birds, God gives, they gather. God provides, but they have to go out there and peck that seed and peck that ground for the worm. You probably heard the poem about two birds that were talking one time. And the poem says, said the robin to the sparrow, I, really, I would really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, I don't know, but it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Aren't you glad we have a heavenly father who cares for us? He provides what we consume. He also provides our covering. In verse number 28, he says, And why take ye thought for raiment, your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall not he much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? He clothes the birds, he clothes the fields, he clothes the flowers, don't you think he'll clothe those who follow him? We worry about all the earthly problems because we do not trust our Heavenly Father's promised providential provision for us. He knows that we need food. He knows that we need clothing. We're more important to him than the birds. We're more important to him than the flowers of the field and the grass. He will not forget us. We are not to live like the pagans, he said, that seek after all these things. Martin Luther was one of the great reformers of years gone by. He was going through, they said, an extended period of depression and worry. And one day his wife, dressed up in just entirely black clothing, just like a mourner at a funeral, a black dress, a black veil, everything she had on was black. And Martin said to her, said, who died? 
And his wife said, God. God, said Luther, how can you say such a thing? His wife said, I'm only dressing like you're living. You're acting like God is dead. He realized that by his very life, he was denying the belief. And he changed his behavior and started trusting instead of worrying. I think we need to do the same thing, don't we? We need to understand that we have a parent, a heavenly parent, who is too good to be unkind, who is too wise to make mistakes. He never slumbers or sleeps. He never loses a second of sleep. He's a father that's always awake and aware. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 23.3 that he is near at hand. God is always close to us. We can take comfort in the words of Psalms 37, 25, and 26. David said, I have been young and now I am old, and yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful in lens, and his seed is blessed. He provides for our covering. And then I want you to notice the priority that we should pursue. The priority, and that brings us to verse 33. Here's the priority, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. There are two essential thoughts in this verse. First of all, the first concerns the primary thing in life. The primary thing in life is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God makes it very clear. He he puts the word in there clearly. First, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's to be the preeminent priority of our life. It is actually to be more important than our food, than our clothing, than life and death. We're to seek the kingdom of God first. Earlier in this sixth chapter, we have what we call the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer. Look back with me and see what the Lord says in verse number 9. He says, After this manner, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God says to us, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And he mentions that first before he says, give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because the kingdom of God is first before even our daily needs. The eternal has priority over the temporal. The kingdom first and then the bread. You see, the number one priority in your and my life is to be that we put God first in our lives. And that is the antidote to worry. That is the cure to worry. Seek first the kingdom of God. If we are not seeking God's kingdom first, no wonder we're worrying. Worry is the warning light on the dashboard of our lives, warning us that God is not really first in our life at that particular moment. You see, when we worry, we're acting as though God is not big enough to handle our problem. God is not strong enough to meet the need. Whatever the problem is that is causing you and me to fret and to be anxious, We are worrying and fretting because we don't think God's big enough to take care of it. So what is the cure to worry? It's to put God first. Seek first the kingdom of God. If he is not first in your life, then we need to rearrange our priorities and put him first. 
So the first concerns the primary thing in life. Seek first the kingdom of God. And the second in this verse concerns the secondary things in life. And listen to what he says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All what things? All these things. What has he just been talking about? The things that you and I are prone to worry about. Food and clothing and shelter. Care. Home. House. Let me ask you a question. Who made you? God did, didn't he? Who established the requirements for food and shelter and clothing? God did, didn't he? He established the requirements. He is our creator, but don't ever forget, he is also our sustainer. He created us, he put us here on this earth, and he's going to take care of us and provide what we need. God takes care of his creation. Sometimes we sing a song, God will take care of you. It says, be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. All you may need, he will provide. God will take care of you. And then I want you to notice the promise that we need to embrace. The promise. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Here's the promise. And all these things shall be added unto you. All these things. Notice the guarantee that Jesus states. You want a guarantee? You want a written guarantee that God will provide? Do you? We got it right there, don't we? It's his word. It's written down. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be given unto you. God's provided it in writing. Notice the nature of what he promises. He says, all these, what's the next word? Things. All these things. Did you know what? Most of our worrying is about things. About tangible things. Things like food and drink and clothing. We're to keep things in their proper perspective. But God says if we'll keep him first, he gives us a promise that he'll take care of the things that we need. And then notice the number of that which he promises. He said, all these things shall be added unto you. Not some of them, but all. Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall supply, what's the next word? All your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He promised to provide all things. Whatever I need. He didn't promise to provide all my wants and all my desires, but he'll provide all my needs. And then notice the generosity that Jesus shares. He says, all these things will be, what's the next word? Added unto you. They'll be added unto you. The grains that the birds peck at, a seed that they gather, they are all gifts that God gives to them. They do not pay for them. They do nothing to earn them. And God's generosity is demonstrated throughout, entirely throughout the, the natural world. God shows over and over again how he provides. In Psalm 104 and verse 28, he says, That thou givest them, they gather. Thou openest thy hand, they are filled with good. And to, and to us likewise, he gives and we gather. He gives, and we gather by our labors, by our work. We gather. No mature bird sits up on the limb of a tree 
and waits for another bird to bring a worm and put it into his mouth. I said, no mature bird. The little babies do, but not the mature ones. You've heard the little saying, the early bird gets the worm. God sent manna from heaven to feed the children of Israel in the wilderness. For 40 years they wandered through the wilderness and God provided manna and God provided the quail for them. But I do want you to notice one thing. They had to go out and gather it. He didn't put it in the refrigerator. He didn't put it on the stove. They had to go out and gather it. Life and that which sustains life are gifts from our generous God. But he assures us that we'll have enough, but we've got to go gather it. And since he provides it for us, he says, therefore, do not worry. There are three statements I want to make quickly about worry in conclusion. Worry is an inconsistent activity. For if we are trusting, we are not worrying. It's inconsistent to worry. You can't trust and worry at the same time. Amen. No man can serve two masters. You can't trust and worry. Secondly, worry is irrational, for it does not solve anything. Amen? It's irrational to worry. Worry and fret, and yet we all do it, but it doesn't solve anything. It's irrational. And then thirdly, worry is illogical. It's illogical for the Christian who calls God his heavenly father. If we believe God is our heavenly father, then it's illogical for us to worry because he cares for us and he'll meet the needs in our lives. A man once said that he found a unique way to take care of worrying. He explained this. He said, I don't worry about anything. I have a mountain of credit card debt. I've lost my job. My car is being repossessed. My house is in foreclosure. My family is broken up. I'm in bad health, but I'm not worried about it. His friend said to him, you're not worried about it? He said, no. He said, I've hired a professional worrier. He does all my worrying for me, and that way I don't have to think about it. The friend looked at him and said, that's fantastic. How much does this professional worrier charge you for his services? He said, well, $50,000 a year. And he said, $50,000 a year? Where are you going to get that kind of money? The man looked at him and said, I don't know. That's his worry. <laughs> you and I can't hire a professional worrier. But we have somebody that cares and can take our worries away from us for free. Amen? His name is Jesus. He said, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When Jesus Christ became your Savior, you became his child, and he became your heavenly Father, and he cares for you. If you're here tonight and you've not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, confess to him that you are a sinner and receive him into your heart and life as your Savior, and you too will become a child of the Heavenly Father and a recipient of his loving care, and he will take care of you. So if we're worrying, 
we're not trusting God. And it may be that we're not putting him first in our life. See, he gives us a responsibility, doesn't he? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question in closing tonight. Is God first in your life? You know, those of us who have children, when you have a child that just obeys all the time, some of you are thinking right now, boy, I wish I could find one of those. <laughs> if you have a child that just their spirit is, I want to do what I'm supposed to do. I want to obey. And, and, and some of you, have, if you have more than one child, you know they're all different. But when you have a child that's obedient, you pretty much do whatever they ask for. Whatever they want, you're willing to do it if it's in, within reason. Our Heavenly Father says, if you seek me first, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Quit worrying. Quit fretting. You've got a wonderful Heavenly Father. Those of us who have children, we make sure they have food to eat, don't we? We make sure they have clothing to wear. We make sure they have a house to live in. They have heat and air conditioning. We provide a lot of things for our children because they're our kids. And we have a Heavenly Father who cares more for His kids than we do for ours. Amen? And He'll take care of His kids. Stop worrying. Start trusting. Father, thank you for your promises to us. We all struggle with this matter of worry. And we forget that we have a Heavenly Father who cares, who loves us, and who said to us, take no thought. Do not worry about your food. Don't worry about your clothing. Don't worry about your housing. You said your Heavenly Father cares for these things. Help us to put you first. Seek first your kingdom, and you've promised us all these things shall be added unto us. Help us to stay in your will. Help us to stay faithful to you. And you said you'll take care of our needs. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Help us to trust and stop worrying. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.